how should people think about mental shortcuts or mental models? And are there any that come to mind that you think are particularly valuable? I'll tell you about a few, and I'll tell you where to get more. Perfect. Let's take a notion that economists call by their priestly name, externalities. Have you heard of that term? I have. I have heard the term. Okay, good. Most people have not, as it turns out, so you're, <laughs> you're way ahead already. Well, we'll see where we go. <laughs> An externality, simplistically, is a consequence that's of somebody's action that's generally not intended, and it's usually bad, but it's sometimes good. And I'll give you examples of each uh, of varying sizes. Here's a bad one that happened to me uh, actually last week. I go out to get in my car, and I find out that the tire's flat. I look, and I see a sheet metal screw in the sidewall, which means that this tire is going to have to be replaced. So I end up taking care of the problem. Where did the problem come from? Most likely, I think, down the road from me, there's been a lot of construction going on. I've noticed as I go for walks that pieces of metal are often lying in the road, sheet metal screws, nails, other things that aren't good for tires. I pick them up when I happen to walk by, but I don't get them all. And the workers are carelessly depositing more. Not very many, but it only takes one to give me a flat. So this is an unintended bad consequence of the work going on there. Who benefits? Well, the homeowner does because he doesn't have to police his guys to clean up carefully and sweep the streets afterwards. He doesn't have to spend another $5 a day on sweeping labor to make sure that none of these things are there. But it cost me $500 for a new tire. It's, unfortunately, it's a Tesla Plaid with a 10.5-inch wide Michelin tire, so the tires are not cheap. <laughs> <laughs> so this is an unintended bad consequence for me that saves a very small amount for the guy who's doing the construction a few doors down. Let's take a little bigger one. When I was a chemistry student back at age 14 in 1946, teaching myself, I mean, there wasn't, wasn't a decent chemistry class around. I came across a fellow named Svante Arrhenius, a great Swedish physical chemist from the latter part of uh, the 19th century. He, at that time, and I learned it then, did a study of how gases in the atmosphere trap heat. And he explained how much the heat trapping power was of various gases, including carbon dioxide. And he explained very clearly how much carbon dioxide would contribute to global warming as it increased. So this was known way back then. And I knew it as a 14-year-old. And the mechanism is obvious. You can sit behind a uh, plate glass window when the sun is shining and feel everything heat up around you, the greenhouse effect. So it's, it's simple, it's obvious, it's got plenty of science behind it. What do people do now? Well, they create a negative externality by polluting. People drive around in cars and dump CO2 into the atmosphere, and each individual is convenienced by being able to drive around in his car. 
but he contributes to a global problem, a problem that won't come back perhaps to haunt him if he doesn't live long enough, or may be gradual, so gradual that he doesn't notice it. But everybody together is busy contributing this major externality to the world, which leads to a second little mental model. It's called the tragedy of the commons. That's a pretty famous thing by a guy named Garrett Hardin. And the simple example is you've got a village with a little green in the middle, and it's got a lot of grass growing. And only a few people live in the village. So one guy has sheep, and he lets his sheep graze on the green, and there's plenty of grass, so that's not a problem. A few more people move in. They get some sheep. They turn them loose on the green. Pretty soon, there are too many sheep for the green. It's all eaten up. So each person acts in his own self-interest, but collectively, what they do is against the common good. So that's another little mental model or idea. So the whole collection of these these things that are out there that are very uh, valuable for thinking purposes. One collection is uh, there's a fifty a fifty item collection that came out under INC period on the internet uh, from Elon Musk. And it's quite good. There's also Charlie Munger's book, Poor Charlie's Almanac. Yeah, which has a <laughs> yeah. lot of these things embedded in it. One of my favorites is. Uh, it has a strange name of uh, fundamental attribution error. And I didn't like the name. I said, Charlie, why are you calling this fundamental attribution error? Well, Charlie actually just picked it up from sociology and, and psychology. That's what they call it. And I thought, it's a terrible name. You should call it something else. But as I thought about it some more, I decided it's actually not a bad name after all. Uh, roughly speaking, what it does is uh, it's a human tendency to make assumptions that are not fully justified by the evidence. For instance, you go to lunch and the person you invited doesn't show up. So you begin to speculate, well, maybe he just forgot. He's a f forgetful guy. Or uh, maybe since we had a little quarrel two weeks ago, maybe that was it. Maybe he's just mad and he's going to show me or something of that sort. You start making up stuff to try to explain it, but you don't have the evidence for it. It turns out that he had a car accident on the way and he's busy dealing with all the fall-off in a car accident. Two hours later, you find out what actually happened and it's too bad and he apologizes profusely. But you didn't have any idea what actually happened. You just started making stuff up. That is something that humans do over and over and we're wired for it. It's it's evolutionary. It ties into a famous book, Thinking Fast and Slow. Daniel Kahneman. Yes, exactly. So he has an example there. Of you're in the forest, and you hear a roar. You don't stop to find out where the roar is coming from. You run up the nearest tree because it might be a lion. <laughs> in fact, it might be something entirely different, but you don't take any chances. You, you react. And if it's not a lion, you've made fundamental attribution error. You attributed it to being a lion when it wasn't. But it saved your life often when, when it wasn't uh, an attribution error. So that ties in with something else, which is learning how to think. If you think fast, it's kind of emotionally from the gut, responding without really reflecting, you will make a lot of mistakes. 
Sometimes, though, it's a way of saving your life. For example, somebody yells fire. You're at, you're at the door of the theater. You run out the door immediately before you find out whether there is a fire. There might or might not have been. But running out the door before the time to reflect, in which case it might be too late, is a good thing to do. Well, I hold the door open for everybody else, too, as I run out. 